I was thinking about how when you're growing up, the question that I think kids get asked almost the most is, do you play sports? It's one of the most asked questions. I even ask kids that question without thinking. It's almost as if we consider it a personality trait. So most kids end up playing some sport or another or do some adjacent type of activity. But most kids stop playing sports after high school, and if they make it up that far, that's a pretty big accomplishment. I was one of those weirdos that kept playing sports through college. I played D1, a D1 sport in college. I played field hockey, and this is a thing that I never really bring up, but then when it does get brought up, there's so many questions, uh, specifically from my two co-pilots here today, about what D1 field hockey or D1 sports is really like. So that's what this episode is about on Bitch Out of Water, another episode, a podcast where we try different things and talk about it. I'm Steph and I'm joined by Roxy, who I believe played sports through midway through high school or through high school fully midway through high school until they told me I had to stop smoking weed if I wanted to run the seven minute mile and I said peace out mother f's I am not gonna be an athlete anymore oh early priorities and then Darina I believe was a Mexican football fan, but I'm not sure if she actually played sports growing up. Am I wrong? We watched a lot of sports growing up, especially football, soccer. However, I only sat on the couch and my sports playing uh, remained to uh, chess, musical instruments, and the Nintendo Entertainment System. Iconic. That's why you're our gamer who ended up at Google and then we got lucky enough to snag you. So I... Always forget because when you're a college athlete, you you interact most with other college athletes. So you kind of normalize your specific college experience. And then when you're outside of it, you forget a lot of people have no idea what it was like. How I got into it was I started playing. I grew up playing multiple sports throughout the years. And then I really started to focus on field hockey my last four years. So that's my only four years of high school. <laughs> and I got I got pretty good at it and I was okay at school. I was never great. So there was a moment I remember being like, if you want to go to a better school than what you can grade into stuff, you're going to have to get a scholarship for sports. And my no one in my family had ever played D1 sports. So I had no idea how you even go about it. But I went to a high school with great sports teams. We basically always won our division or our conference. Forget what it was called, but we did really well. So we had college scouts coming to games. And I remember getting a ton of emails from East Coast teams because field hockey is primarily an East Coast sport. But we do have pretty uh, big programs in the West Coast in specific communities. It's not as regionalized as the East Coast has made it. A lot of people on the East Coast play soccer, lacrosse, and field hockey. We're West Coast is major soccer and like tennis, but in volleyball, but not as much field hockey. And I didn't want to go to the East Coast. I was kind of always sure about that. 
And I don't know why. I, w- I was interested in schools in like Atlanta and some of the Midwest, but the East Coast I had no interest in at all, which was a problem because that's where all the schools were. But there was four D1 schools in California. And I remember my mom took us on a college tour in the summer to the California schools and she went to UC Davis. And I was at that age where I'm like, I definitely don't want to go to the school my mom went to. But we got on campus and I instantly knew I wanted to go to that school so fucking bad. And I made sure that summer I did college teams will put on camps sometimes for younger kids and they'll be hosted by the college players. But this is a great way to get noticed by the players and therefore the college coach and just to get extra training in and it's kind of fun. So I ended up staying a week at UC Davis and got to know the college coach and we kept in contact and ended up long story short she called me one day offered me a scholarship and it was one of like the greatest fucking days of my entire life I remember being so happy and relieved because I have a twin who had a 4.8 GPA and I was nowhere near that so there was a long part of my life in high school where I was really worried about where I was going to end up and I would I knew that I was going to make my parents really proud at that moment and I never really felt like I had done something that big before and so when I told them they were really 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 excited and then I knew I was going to UC Davis from there but I say this all to say I had no idea what the fuck was to come and what actually playing college sports looked like if that makes sense the way that it works is the recruiter calls the kid's cell phone And just says, you have a scholarship? The coach. So you build a rapport with the coach. I know that there's very specific rules of when coaches can contact athletes and when they can't. And I think you have to be above sophomore year. Or you can talk to them when you're at camps or tournaments, but they can't contact you outside of that. And then after that, like your junior year, they can have your email and you can email correspond. And then I think through email that you exchange numbers. And so you get that call. You know that she's calling. She says, guess what? You're going to college. And then that's how you commit to that. Kind of. Or you. okay? so there's like a lot to the process. So you can you also go on recruiting weekend aways. I forget what they're called, but they like you they the coach will organize a weekend where you and some other recruits fly in usually on game days so you can watch the team play and you stay with a player on the team and they like take you around the campus and you go to the game you like get ready with them in the locker room you catch the vibe like you go to the the pre-meetings the post meetings and like eat with the team And sometimes people commit on those trips. I didn't commit on that. I wasn't offered on my trip. I was offered like probably a month later. So Steph, two questions because y'all know growing up in Mexico, I I didn't even know what D1 meant. I didn't know Division 1. I know nothing of high school and college sports. I just know uh, American, you know, general sports like NFL and that type of shit. So number one, what is Division 1 and are there other divisions what, like, what is exactly does that mean? And also, why did you pick field hockey initially? Yeah, I so there's D1, there's D2, there's D3, 
three and there's D4. I believe there's four different. Di- there might be a D5. I didn't know there was D4. I knew D1, D2, D3, and then club, right? I'm pretty sure there's division four, but you could be right. I know mostly people talk about D1, D2, D3. And basically, in my mind, I recognize that in terms of how competitive those divisions are, division one being the most competitive that you can be in. And also no one outside of division one can receive athletic scholarships. D2 and D3 schools can give academic scholarships, but I don't believe that their schools allocate money for athletic scholarships. And D1 is athletic scholarships not everyone on every d1 team is on scholarship but most are on at least partial scholarship and every sport has a season but when you're a d1 athlete you're all year round so my season as field hockey was fall season so we would come in for preseason in august and we would end the season in december And then we would have winter would be our off season, but that's like the hardest conditioning training season of all. Basically, that's when they like that's when we had 530 a.m. practices multiple times a week. Everyone got strep throat. They just you just like play through it. They don't give a fuck. Everyone's disgustingly sick, giving each other mono because it's also the only time that you can party. So you just like party through the tiredness because it's the only time you get. And then spring, there's some off season season games. They don't have any real consequences or gains, but they're just good practice. And you, you play teams in your region just for more games in. Is there ever a season that you have no practice? Like summer, do you just not meet at all? Yeah, I would say summer, the first quarter of summer. If you divide summer into like two months, let's say the first month we would have off. and that, But the second month is when our preseason starts. But no one, by the time when I was a freshman, I got there two weeks before preseason so I could acclimate to the weather because Davis was like 110 in the summer. And that was just significantly higher than what I had been training in, even in San Diego. And even that was not enough. I was so out of shape in comparison. And by the time I hit sophomore year, I don't think any fall sport didn't stay through the summer. And maybe they took like a week off and then you do summer training. Like it was us, football, soccer, All of those teams, we all basically took summer school so that we could take less units when we were in season. And then so we could train with the team because people who got went home came back and they were just not in the shape that you needed to be in. So essentially, D1 sports are a every month of the year decision. Like if you're going to sign up for a D1 sport, you're making it... uh, 12 month a year decision yeah the way student athletes talked about it was it was a job it's a full-time job if not more because of the physical fatigue obviously there's jobs that require physicality so that I include in that regard but it was a full-time job no one at least it was up to the coaches my coach wouldn't let us have outside jobs most coaches don't let you they can't really say that but they kind of make it really difficult for you to get an outside job and they're pretty manipulative about the fact that you're on scholarship so that you shouldn't need other money but that's a whole other issue about how athletes do not have enough money to really sustain the lifestyle that's required of by their coaches but it's a yes it's every day full time 
all the time. No one, I had internships and that was like pushing myself to the brink. Like I was going like 18 hour days. That's crazy. And that was throughout your four year stay at college. Yes. You participated in a D1 field hockey for the entire entirety of your university experience. Yeah. And, and a lot of male athletes will do a red shirt and do five years. I almost stayed a fifth year. But I'll be completely honest with everyone. I, every day of my college athlete experience, I called my parents or asked myself or looked myself in the mirror or had some sort of breakdown regarding the question, should I quit or not? (laughs) Every, it, it was so fucking hard for me mentally, physically. I didn't know, and I'm not a super decisive person. That's a skill I'm working on, but especially then of what I should do. I think a lot of what's played into people's minds, I know Roxy can relate to this. Her family has a similar motto, like we're not allowed to quit things. So my parents, every time I started the season, I couldn't quit until the next year, but it was always that, am I going to do this the next year? And which is crazy because I actually, you know, I was on scholarship. I was doing really well. I started my junior and senior year. I was making all conference teams. I was uh, having fun at a lot of it. But those days that you're not in game day or you're just like have strep throat and you still have to play with like two stress fractures on your ankles. And then at the same time, like you're getting drug tested and and having to follow authority, which I fucking hate authority, nonstop. I had three different coach changes, which is kind of unheard of. Most people have one head coach that they're recruited from in high school and stay throughout their their time as a college athlete. I had three different coaches, all of which I don't want to talk too much shit about, but I don't like even know. I I like don't think about them anymore. Like <laughs> they they were not great models for me like there wasn't anything like I really felt super anchored to other than the fact that I wanted to commit to something and I wanted to finish and I knew it would feel really good to be like I was a four-year college athlete and it does it does feel good to say that and I and my senior year really was the most fun year I remember like finally coming into feeling really confident about my skills and being able to like fuck around and have fun on the field and like my parents watch me do cool shit and at least for my dad at the time I felt like I was really like it was really cool for me to be able to have my dad come to my games like I think he took that really seriously which is one of the things I think really fondly of in hindsight word So really quick, because I don't want you to ignore my initial question. Why field hockey? Field hockey? Okay, so on the West Coast, soccer is massive. So I played competitive soccer my whole life. And I thought that I would I grew up, you know, on the Mia Hamm age in the 90s. So we all wanted to play soccer. But I started to get really burnt out from soccer, especially because I was doing a lot of other things like Model UN. And I was just interested in other things other than sports I've never been a full athlete which is a huge part of 
I guess the latter half of this discussion, I'll talk about like the mindset of most athletes and how I never really felt like that when I talked about wanting to quit. Like some athletes form their whole identity around being an athlete. All their friends are the people on their same team. Everything they they watch the sport, even if they're not playing the sport. Like I never have been that type of athlete. But field hockey, I ended up starting in eighth grade and I just fell in love with it. It was so fucking fun to me. And I like the girls on the team. I like the coach at my high school. And so I just, and then I found a really, the only coaches that I really think about all uh, a lot, they were, uh, they ended up coaching at Stanford, but I worked with them in the summers and they were the ones that made me think like, oh, you could really do this in college. You should, you should try to do this. So that's kind of how I went that, that way, but it was never like, if I didn't get to play in college, my life would be ruined, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's crazy because I didn't even know field hockey existed because growing up in Mexico. <laughs> so I actually had to, uh, when I went to college, like that's when I learned what it was. But I was like, this is kind of like soccer mixed with ice hockey. I guess, I guess it's basically hockey. So so yeah, it's, it's actually pretty fun to watch. Yeah. Last time I checked, it was the number three most played sport worldwide. Like it's huge in India and parts of Asia, but it's pretty big. It has a pretty big Olympics presence too, but it, it's definitely the same formation set up as soccer. A lot of um, the national soccer coaches will have some past field hockey players or field hockey coaches as a part of the coaching staff as well because the the game is is similarly played but back to what I was saying about just being a college athlete in general I think like one thing that I remember or I still talk to all of my friends who played sports in college a lot about college sports and about you know like would they do it again and do you think it set them up for success and a lot of people would do it again and they're really it's a lot of people's one of their most proud things about themselves is that they endured such hard conditions for so long while being able to get a college degree and but oh there's a huge kind of I remember it started to set in senior year for a lot of people of identity crisis because when you have kids growing up into adults with sports being a primary pillar of their existence, knowing that sports doesn't really exist except for the less than 1% who go fully professional. And then even people who go professional, there's only a percentage out of that who make enough in that period of time where they can play professional to sustain an entire livelihood off of that. You're setting people up for failure because they, so many people I knew who played sports had no idea what the fuck they were interested or wanted to do past that sport because they never had time to test those interests out like other students. Like they couldn't do theater and journalism or photography in yearbook or uh, be a part of the National Parks Club, whatever it is. Like you could do those very sparingly but it left like this huge thing of uncertainty that I even faced after college not knowing what direction I'd want to go in because you're just not that portion of time that would have been given to that future thought is given to the sport was there never a moment in time in which you thought you were going to be a professional athlete 
there was a moment in time I think I considered it because in high school, in growing up in San Diego and Chula Vista, they had the Olympic Training Center and the a national team, the women's national field hockey team would train there. And one Sunday every month, certain select group of us got to train with them. And then I was going to try out for the younger national team when I was in high school. And I remember having a conversation with my parents about it. And I think it was just like a very honest conversation of you can't put all your eggs into this basket because women's sports professionally, just speaking straight up, there's not money in that. And I think they were like, if you really want to do this, of course, and we'll support it. But it was like, is this what you really want to do, Steph? And it was net. I kind of had, I liked going to practice and, and, and I loved going to games, but I was not like, like I said, I wasn't like eating, breathing, sleeping, dreaming about field hockey. And I think you need that to actually consider that. That's a very good point. Which is the scary part about how like I think about a lot of my friends who played football and basketball. Like they really like that's all they thought about was playing professional. Well, and it's so true and such a bummer about the pay rate that you were just talking about. Because as somebody who's obviously a huge football fan, watching the American women's soccer team get paid less than the men's national soccer team considering they're better is the most bizarre thing i've ever seen yeah it's crazy and just the culture of how we watch women's sports via v men's sports and i'm included in that i was under the impression that every person who is playing d1 sports thinks that that might be something they do professionally afterwards is that not the case at all do most d1 athletes have other aspirations and or they're not doing it to turn pro they're just doing it for fun i would say a a large percentage of male d1 athletes specifically in basketball and football have the hopes and idea that they could play professionally in some capacity i would say at when they reach about junior and senior year, they have a pretty good idea if, if that's still possible. But they will finish the four years. But f- also for basketball and football and soccer globally, there's way more opportunity to play professional. Like it doesn't need to be the NBA and the N- NFL, but I dated someone who played professional basketball in Australia. They have a great league out there. They make actually pretty great money, but it's not the NBA and you're not making millions on your contracts. So I think, Rox, you have the right idea, especially in terms of like probably a lot of your East Coast friends who went D1, that they had some idea that they would want to pursue this professionally. But by the end of your college career, you have, a, you have a good idea of if that's possible, if you're still like up to par with that. I guess the real question is, Steph, why on earth would somebody want to do D1 sports if it wasn't to turn professional? Like, why did you want to be a D1 athlete? That's such a good question. It, to me, I don't know... It was about a few things for me. For me, it was like really like I did enjoy playing sports. That's all I kind of knew. It was a great form of discipline 
and being able to show that like you can accomplish anything because if you can get through it you it, I think about it all the time when I'm going through hardship I'm like I can do this because I did four years of that I can I can actually do anything nothing should scare me from accomplishing that so I think that I had that idea in the back of my head I that Steph if you finish this if you do this you'll be able to say you did this and think about this for the rest of your life whether or not that's good enough that's definitely one thing that kept me going another thing is that uh being a part of the athlete community once you're in it's like if you don't play sports and you're not really in it. And I think a loss of community probably is another huge factor in that because you identify with the athletes. So you want to be with the athletes. I, one of my best friends, Rogan, she was started as a D one athlete and she's actually one of the most rare people I've ever met because most people stopped playing cause they just weren't at, they weren't going to start ever or they did weren't on scholarship or they got injured. She was so fucking good, but just didn't want to. She's like, like to answer your question, who on fucking earth would choose to play? Because I'm not going to play professionally. So she quit. And while she maintained a lot of her athlete friends, she joined a sorority and kind of that like became her new community. It, it's like too hard to balance the both. So I think community is another side of it and just the accomplishment. And you do get good perks. Like being on scholarship is fucking awesome. And if you leave the sport, you're not on scholarship anymore. No. They pull away your scholarship if you quit. Yeah. Like you literally have to leave school. That's insane. Unless you paid it yourself. Yeah. I I know, yeah, don't get me started on the NCAA and their rules because they do not set student athletes up for success. It's insane. Like, I think that there probably is a lot of people who don't know what they're getting into when they're signing these contracts and you could get really fucked over. Wow. How much of an impact did that have on you? You're going to school. You made your parents really proud. They're not having to pay as much for your education or you taking out student loans and them being worried about you paying them back. Is that 95% of the reason why you stay an athlete? Or was it really about proving to yourself that you can get through something extremely challenging with zero rewards? I think it is an honest mixture. And sports do a really good job of playing with this reward system like the high you get when you score a sick goal can keep you going for a long time you know those like moments with your teammates that are so cool in a collaborative effort because you guys worked so hard all week to prepare for this game and then you come out with a win like that's a really epic feeling and I think that for a lot of athletes I'm different in the sense that I don't think most athletes, I think a lot of athletes question maybe once a year, is this the right thing for me? But I I think it was a little bit harder for me because I love socializing so much that I was questioning that. But I think to answer your question, it's an honest mixture of, I knew it would make my parents proud. I knew it made me proud. I knew that there was moments that I fucking loved and I would never be able to do it again. And I wanted to just finish the task and I wanted to, yeah, there was a huge thing for me with sports was 
it didn't solve my fear of failure, but it definitely showed me that I did have a fear of failure. And I can't even believe that I got to play D1 sports because I did play most of my high school really afraid, like in terms of really putting all my effort into something. And that was something I really worked on. And by the time I got to senior year, I saw a huge change in my fearlessness and wanting to try things and not being afraid to look stupid and to go all out. And so I think that part of it really played into me just wanting to like stop being imprisoned to my people's opinions of me. And somehow I connected that to the sport. That's awesome. So do you think that like, first of all, do you have any regrets or wish that you had had a normal college experience and on the other side of that no because you obviously are the amazing person that we love that you are because you had that experience but uh, on the other side of that do you like what is the biggest lesson that you think that that you've learned that you wouldn't have had if you hadn't been a d1 athlete good question i want to say like there's a reality in which i did theater some more creative filmmaking in college and really fostered that because I would have known that I ended up wanting to do that but I didn't know that then so I don't think I would have done that even if I had the time so I've thought about this question a lot if I would go back would I and I don't think I would because Getting through the four years of D1 field hockey and then ending on a really high note, like having a my best season yet, as cheesy as it sounds, it's had to have made me the person I am today. Even though I don't talk about it that much, there's something about <laughs> the scrappiness of which I played and got through that shit that has become the metaphor of my life of just scrapping through it and, and, and finding, finding the way. What did it actually look like Steph? Like a week as a D one athlete, what did it actually, what was your schedule? Okay. So we'll take you through a fall schedule one week. I, I think we had classes two times a week per class. So I was probably taking, I took four classes in one quarter. That was a pretty hefty load for sports. <laughs> and I would have practice from eight to 12 or yeah, it would be like seven thirty to 12. And that includes like warm up and icing down after. And cause we'd have to ice bath after every practice. Five days a week, six days a week. And then I would bike to class, sometimes not have time to shower, which was the fucking worst. Like you would be like just dripping from your ice bath biking to class because the class was like at 1230 and you got out at 12 and there was nothing you could do about it. But if you had like a 1 p.m. class and I'd be able to shower and because you're in college, you don't have any grasp on nutrition. So I would often have like skittles in my backpack or like some gross form of candy (laughs) to sustain me through my next four hours of classes so I would have four hours of class and then finish at sometime around seven 
And then you would have, sometimes we'd have meetings or team dinners where we would watch game footage of the team that we were going to play. And then sometimes we had a few extra hours in the night, but we almost always had five hours plus of practice every single day. And then we would be gone for sometimes weeks at a time if we were traveling on the East Coast. So I would go to like four days of classes, leave on Thursday for a Saturday game and then come back on Tuesday and then you'd miss class and then you'd have to like get notes from people. And it was like so chaotic. Like I don't know any of the classes I took. Are you excused from missing class because it's for a university sport or how does how does that even work? And what if the class you're supposed to take is before noon? Yeah. So you're excused from class. You have to clear your entire schedule with your professor. Some professors fucking hated student athletes and i i get it because there there's a lot of professors that didn't come to uc davis for sports it's a research school it's not really a sports school so i'm sure that they're like why do i have to do all of this shit for athletes this is ridiculous so you'd have to clear your schedule some teachers wouldn't allow it so if you had certain days where you were traveling and that teacher had a test and was like no i'm not budging you'd actually have to switch classes you couldn't stay in the class there was like no negotiating like that but usually teachers were really nice and be like okay so if you're gone this day then then i'm scheduling you to take the final this monday and they have to have like a ta supervise you taking that final and what what was your other part of that question what if the class was before noon oh if the you can't take it very i think like maybe in winter quarter sometimes my coach if it was like the most important class like some of the science students they would only offer this one class that they needed for their major once a quarter at a certain time then the coach has to be lenient with them i remember there was a few times where either the whole team changed our practice or they scheduled like that group to do a practice separately and how many games did you actually play on a weekly, monthly basis and in total for the semester? So our our seasons were about three to four months and we would play a game every Saturday. I think we probably played about 30 games in a season. I That I'm not sure about. I could be just like spitting out bullshit numbers, but it felt like we had a game every Saturday or at least every two weeks. And then in the off season, we probably had like 10 games. So so that's why you have amazing legs. Dead ass, yes. Because field hockey is a weird ass sport where you're basically like crouched like a witch in a squat position. And if you don't do the squat right, you will fuck up your back. So like anyone who tries to bend their back and it's not straightened like an actual squat, you will really, really fuck up your body. So everyone on the team had nice legs and like a pretty nice ass. (laughs) It's like how volleyball girls, you know, they're going to have fucking nice legs and a nice ass because they're also always squatted. Totally. That's crazy, man. I knew that college uh, sports kids work their butts off. Literally. I had no idea it was a full-time job. Like I did, I had no idea that it was, it just literally was your life even more so than what college life was like for people like Roxy and me, which was going to class and doing all these other activities. Like, you know, I I was a music minor, so I had to, and I thought I was busy with having like, you know, university choir and cello lessons and all this crap additional to my business major. Like, I can't imagine that being your full life and not having 
time to socialize or, or do extra activities. That's crazy. In the, the one of the most annoying parts all, student athletes talked about all the time was about how non-student athletes treated us in classes because while I totally empathize with the fact that we were annoying, you know, like we'd oftentimes come in loud and sweaty and smelly and late because we were coming from practice, they were like totally had the wrong idea of what student athletes are. They're like, you guys are just like on scholarship, taking all the money and not even doing anything. So there was this like weird little war going on, but we were like, no, bro, we were like dying. We're like really working hard and getting abused. (laughs) So, so abused. One of my biggest qualms is that we did not have a strong enough sports psychology program i think like the team should have been reached out to a lot more and i think they're doing a better job of that now but there's just so many issues and with student athletes and like injuries and the balance and all of that i think maybe one of the reasons steph is because it's it's really hard to understand why you guys are doing it it's like uh, it's self-afflicted pain that is I I re I'm I'm trying to learn what the reasons are and it's so hard for me to understand that so many people want to put themselves through this to just say they did it like I, I it, it's a crazy thing to wrap your brain around yeah there's people who will walk on to teams and because they want to play D1 so bad they'll walk on and try out and there's people who aren't never on scholarship and just want to play and do it. So what about your academics? Did you not care about them? Did it not matter to you? Did you care a lot about them? When would you study? Like, how did you, because you come from a very scholarly family that I would have to imagine cared a lot about your academics. How did you feel? I was never really great at school. I always loved reading and doing research and working. Like, I did debate team for a little bit, actually, when I was at Davis, but it got too much when they were traveling. But, yeah, I loved the debate team. I I loved doing things like that. I interned at the district attorney's office. I really liked my classes. I majored in communication. I'd always known I wanted to do some form of talking in my life, effective communicating. And so I, even though a lot of athletes chose communication because it's quote unquote one of the easier majors, to me it was really fascinating and we had really good comp professors at UC Davis And I was really stressed about school. I remember other classes that I didn't have as much passion for. It was really hard to stay motivated and focused for it and not just kind of phone it in. I wasn't great. I I ended with a decent GPA in college, but nothing, definitely not like honors or anything like that, any recognition. And I think back and hate the fact that thousands of dollars are being spent for these top of the line professors to teach me things and there was a few classes I really really worked hard on and I'm so proud of like my human rights minor but a lot where I'm like 
I can't believe I took a wildlife and fish course. I have no idea what we did. I know I failed so many. Like I had to talk to a lot of teachers, like so many different quizzes. But to answer your first question, Rox, about who would do it, I will say this. There's a massive difference with men's sports, especially in terms of how they're treated on campus. Like male athletes get a lot of fucking love and attention and especially if you go to a big time D1 program and you're playing basketball or football, you're doing a lot for the school too. Like you're a huge reason why people go to your school, support your school, fund your school if your team is great. And so I think it is a different conversation when you're talking about athletes like that. Like I totally and a lot of those guys don't want like they're not there for school. They're there for sports. The, the school is just a, a means for them to play the sport. Because most of them are dreaming of going to professional. Yeah. That's crazy. I know Roxy and I probably have a million questions because this is something that's so obviously foreign to us. But we're, since we're running out of time, I have one last question for you. I need to ask another one, D. You can't take this from me. You cannot... No, you can ask how many. I have one last one. Mm -hmm. Like Roxy's like the most curious person. What do you mean we don't have more question time? So Steph, specific to games, what are your best memories or or one big memory of like the, you know, the, the biggest loss and the biggest win? Okay. The biggest win popped up first. So I'm going to, I'm going to set the stage of this one because I thought about this when I was thinking about the episode that is, it's probably my favorite sports moment of my life. It was my junior year, and this was the year that I started getting really fucking good, and I was starting, and, but our, our program was always mediocre, because at this point, field hockey is played on AstroTurf. We only had field turf, and it's a, it's a different game. The ball moves so much faster on AstroTurf, but we were on field turf. And Stanford was in our conference. This was the year Stanford was number one in the entire NCAA, which is insane for a California team to be number one. But their coaches were so good and their team was fucking awesome. And we had played them on their field and we lost. I think it was an okay game, but we lost to them. And then they came to play us. And there was 10 minutes left. It was two to one and they were winning and we were moving up the field. And then I think by the time this had happened, there was three minutes left and I was so stressed, but like, it's really important to still believe you guys can tie it up. And I was running on the left side of the field and I told you I was scrappy. I, I was known for like diving for every ball. Like I didn't give a fuck if I got concussed, whatever it was, I was going to get the ball. And my, the midfielder, Meg Reardon, she was coming up the side with the ball and she like chipped the ball. It was actually not a great pass. It was like flung in the air really bizarrely. And I don't even remember i remember the past i don't remember how i did this the only reason i know is because there was video i flew in the air with the stick reversed so there's two ways to hold the stick the reverse side is like using your left side right so it's a little bit harder of a skill set so it looks cooler which matters for the story so i flew in at this time all of my soccer friends were there boys and girls all of my football friends were there and i was like 
so nervous about that because they like didn't come to many games and i flew in the air and pulled out my stick and it hit the stick perfectly where it like flew at like a hundred miles per hour into the corner of the goal to uh, tie the game and it sent us to overtime which we later won and it was the biggest upset of like the entire year for field hockey and like everyone like rushed the field it was like fucking sick yeah Goal! Oh my god! Yeah, I'm. I got like offensive conference player of the of the week, and I was just like stoked. It was my first time getting recognized. <laughs> it was sick. That's unbelievable. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, and then worst, worst loss. We had some really bad losses. Okay, yeah, I remember. This one was bad because of, yeah, because of how I acted. I was, I tell you guys all the time, I was super emotional and I like was at this point really working on my emotions, but still, you know, your meanest to the people you love the most. Sometimes I was like that with my family and I, we were playing at Berkeley and we just got fucking shit on and i as a forward it's really hard because if the defense and the midfielder can't bring the ball up to you you're kind of just like fucking screwed the entire game because you you don't get any action so you're even though you're it's your fault too it's a little bit more helpless like you don't know what to do so i just remember being so upset and annoyed and like i just didn't get any great touches in the game and my cousin was there and my parents were there and I like couldn't face them. I was so embarrassed and I just like was a fucking bitch and didn't say anything and left on the bus. <laughs> what a bummer. But looking back on it now, it's a funny story. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, definitely a learning moment. I I had to seriously apologize to all of them because what the fuck? All right. I have two things and then I swear I'll move forward. Number one, you have a kid. They come to you and say, I want to play a D1 sport. You say what? I have so many follow-up questions because now I've turned into Roxy Stryer. <laughs> Do you, what sport is it? That makes a difference. Do I think as a parent, they have an honest chance. Of going pro? Of getting a d1 scholarship but ultimately if they really wanted to do it yeah fuck yeah okay i'm never gonna not whatever my kids want to do definitely because i know so many people that it's the best thing of their life like they're still hanging on to it i have some people i follow from college and their icons on social media are still of them in their college uniform and i'm like go off with your bad self (laughs) yeah it's a it's a that's when i say it's an identity thing but Yeah, if my kid wanted to play, I'd be cool with it. This is how I started, so this is how I'll finish with my little cannabis-loving self. You mentioned you were drug-tested. What? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, the NCAA can randomly drug-test you whenever they want. Women's teams are often left alone. I was never drug-tested by the NCAA, but if we went to the conference championship or something, there could have been a case in which you're tested. Often tested for sports-enhancing drugs but as always there's no logic and you're also tested and you could get in severe trouble for weed or any sort of marijuana on your on your p-test so narcs even if it's legal in the state you're in yeah because your coach can have their own rules so we got 
I think in my time, I probably was tested like twice where I had to take a pee test. And I remember being very upset by that. I was just like, I think that's so doesn't make sense. I'm not an Olympic athlete. Like no one's displaying any odd behaviors or enhancements. It's a complete violation of privacy to me, which you don't have. You don't have privacy is the thing. They like own you. That's one of my biggest issues with it is that there is like an owner, the ownership feeling with college sports for sure. All right, D, I did the best I could to keep it as brief as possible. I am so proud of you, Roxy. Thank you so much. We have one more question from our patrons uh, or a Patreon question. If you're not a patron, patreon.com slash the world girls you can get all of our content early exclusive and the video version so you can see our faces that's kind of fun sometimes this one's from mike joyce appreciate you mike joyce uh says have you been keeping track of all the things the ncaa has done in the past few years concerning student athlete compensation do you think they should do more or less so this ties in perfectly to what I was just saying with the NCAA and this ownership feel. They, at my time, had complete ownership of your name and likeness. And so you couldn't do anything that was paying you for the fact that you're an athlete at that school. You couldn't get free meals from like the small town restaurants around you. There was nothing you could be given because you were an athlete, which always has felt unbelievably stupid and unacceptable to me because it is a job it's an actual job that you have to report to show up to and do well for your employers which are the ncaa your coaches and your school's athletic administration so you should get the benefits of a job i think that they've done i've always thought that especially big d1 programs for football and basketball where they have their faces these kids faces on multiple banners and on the side of freeways they're making money off shirts with their name and number on them and those kids aren't seeing a dime and can barely have enough scholarship money that covers rent and food and gas and all of that that's has always felt illegal like i think that has always been completely absurd it's supposed to be a non-profit but at the time last time i checked was a few years ago but the president was making millions a year while kids are are the reason he's making millions just it's fucking gross to me so i think that this year they've done a lot of great changes and at least acknowledging that that's an inherent issue and there has been some compensation i think there should definitely be more i think it's a business they should be paid the amount that they're bringing in and i know like some people will be like well some athletes aren't bringing the that money in like girl sports and it's like i'm not saying you should it, it should be what the team is bringing into the programs and then also you the least you can do is make sure that students have enough to house themselves and to feed themselves because they're burning calories for you guys that seems simple to me and to most people i talk to about the ncaa i know rocks you watch a lot of sports uh, college sports too i think yeah no i I think that i agree with everything you're saying i do think it gets a little complicated when there are 
people who are doing a lot of other things for their school that don't get compensated either. I think it just opens up the conversation if you are like in a research lab and you're not getting any kind of compensation or if in, you're in uh, every single show and you don't get any kind of compensation. You know, there's a lot of people who bring in a lot of money for different programs, especially in the sciences and the sports that don't get compensated and it's kind of just like what the fuck because you're an adult you know yeah definitely an all-around yeah yeah that's a great point it's it's kind of speaks to the larger issue of this idea that because students are students they like don't don't need to be paid which is crazy to me so thank you for that question mike joyce uh and moving on to our segment pros and cunts because there's always a pro and there's always a cunt to it for me the biggest pro is just the overall experience of being a d1 athlete is sick i think that whether it's warranted or not there is a certain respect that you receive when people find out that you were a d1 athlete and that's kind of dope. I'm not going to lie. It's cool to, that people instantly think that you're athletic and and are capable of enduring certain things. So it's always nice because life's hard. And when you have something that you can put on your resume that does speak to some of the work you've put in, that's cool. And I think that the community aspect of being an athlete in college is pretty special and not replaceable and irreplaceable. In terms of cunts, I think it's one of the hardest things on your mind and body that you can do as a young adult coming into yourself. I think it's a really impressionable four years of your life. Most people enter college at 18. They leave at 22. Those are really important years for understanding who you are, how you see yourself, and what you want to do with your passions in the world. And when you're life is so consumed by sports I think it makes that part a little bit hard and almost regresses some progress in that sense but that is it for our giving d1 sports a world this is obviously just my experience just one girl from the whale's vagina playing field hockey at uc davis so many fucking awesome moments but obviously hard and cool to think about the fact that roxy and dorina were so interested in it because it's something i barely even think about so i hope that this was a cool episode for you to listen to yourself whether you've been a d1 athlete you know a d1 athlete or perhaps you have kids or friends who are considering going that route we are kind of new here we're a newer podcast bitch out of water so if you like us please subscribe and leave a review we would really really appreciate that we want to know what episodes you're loving what you would want to hear more about less of whatever it is we are the world girls and we're constantly trying some things and building a great community with our patron members patreon.com slash the world girls and we go live every wednesday and sunday on youtube.com slash the world girls where we do different things like maybe eating crickets and gross things we don't know we change it up week to week but uh this has been bitch out of water remember we're all gonna die don't be a dick and stay wet my friends